Hello and welcome to episode 113 of What Most People Think. And as you can see, we've got a new theme tune there. Well, it's it's the prototype of a theme tune. We've had a little bit of a remix because it kept saying the word lockdown. And of course, we're not in lockdown. And it seems almost certain at the moment I've taken out the word lockdown that we'll probably go back into lockdown. But uh, at least I've got that up my sleeve now. Like I say, it's an early version of the tune. Do email in whatmostpeopletheenkuk at gmail.com. Even as I say that, I'm wondering why the hell I've asked for feedback. I'm just going to get loads of feedback. But broadly speaking, uh, I like it. In fact, don't email in. I I fucking like it. Um, So we are, and also with previous shows, there's a problem with my internet. When I've had guests on, uh, I end up sounding like crap and they end up sounding like God. So I am recording this locally for sound quality. So we we are, we're up in the game of this podcast. I'm not just standing still, I'm innovating. And by innovating, I mean doing stuff that other podcasts have been doing as a matter of course uh, for, for ages, really. And um, speaking of for ages, somebody that's been my friend for a long time and has been on the podcast before, please welcome back. Joining us as co-host is Ian Stone. Hello, Jeff. How are you? I, uh, I'm i good, mate. I'm good. I mean, like, I always have enjoyed talking to you about politics. And I was thinking about why your take tends to be unique. You, I mean, you're, you're, you're a Labour man through and through, but I also remember you being one of the first comics to dare to suggest that Jeremy Corbyn might not be an absolute <laughs> slam dunk prime minister in waiting. Was I? Was I one of the first? I mean, I was sort of quite, I was quite enamoured for a short while. I, in yeah. fact, what happened was I read one of his speeches and I thought, oh, this sounds great. Who's yeah. this by? And then, oh, oh, oh. Jeremy Corbyn. So that's sort of how I felt. I liked his words, just not. So your "Oh Jeremy Corbyn" song was a bit different then. It was "Oh Oh Jeremy Corbyn." <laughs> oh Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> it was sort of how it went. Yeah, it didn't go down quite as well at Glastonbury. To be honest, <laughs> I tried "Oh Keir Starmer" at the last Glastonbury, and it just didn't catch on at all. Well, really. as listeners to this podcast will know it's got to be Keir Starmer. You know, Sinama go 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 play. But it's uh, you know so- what. Yeah, those things. I mean, it's a good effort. That that is a very good effort in terms of starting a song. But I've tried. I've started trying try to start many songs at football, and none of them have ever caught on. We used to have a player called Jeremy Ali Adier, and I thought we should do him to Strangers in the Night, right? Ali Adier <laughs> exchanging passes, and it just nobody and everyone just looked at me. But what happened was, I remember that seeing you getting in arguments with other comics on Facebook and you weren't saying like he was a bastard or anything and obviously you know he's uh he's shall we say blind spot at best to anti-semitism probably didn't help but you just slowly started to point out that that he he wasn't perfect you know he wasn't this sort of like magic grandpa well I I, I pulled rank on people a couple of times basically yeah. with the Jew thing essentially I thought you know what this is this is an easy way for me to at least stop all their flannel for a, for a short while and go, you know, hello, essentially, my people have suffered. Do you know that? And yeah. that would stop them a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I kept it fairly civil. Some some people didn't, unfortunately. So, uh, uh, but it didn't didn't work out very well, did it? In the end for them. So I think I, I you had a be, point. Well, I didn't I didn't want to be too smug afterwards. But when I get people now on a serious point moaning about how much. Uh, uh, people are suffering and the universal credit and all the minimum wage. And I think, yeah, but you know what? Voting for Corbyn was never going to change that because he was never going to win. And and 
they don't like to hear that. So uh, who I, could I win though? Because bit. you know they, I, 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 like many people in Starmer come in. I thought, oh yeah, slick guy, Blairite type. It's almost like a concession. The, the Labour Party sort of said, all right, we'll have a Keir Starmer. We'll win this way then. But it did. It doesn't seem that that's clear cut. Maybe we just didn't know enough about him. I think he's a good human being, but. It doesn't seem to have that pizzazz that you need in modern politics. Well, I sorry, can I just say I, I found myself using the phrase electoral math last night and I was really quite disgusted with myself. Electoral but math. Math without the S. Uh, wow. because I you know, I'm I've seen American comics at the comedy store say math and the entire crowd just add the at the end, <laughs> which makes me laugh. But I for me, Keir Starmer. I, I was complaining about this on stage the other day. He lost it for me when he went to the special K factory the other week. Do you remember this? Yeah, yeah. And he said, what happened was, he said, do you know, I used to be known as special K, right? And everyone went, oh, yeah. And then he went K for Kia. And I thought, <laughs> fuck off, mate. I'm not having that. You don't have to explain. I understand. What else is the K going to be for, mate? Stop it. He yeah. seems like a good guy, but... I've got this, it's not a theory of mine, it's a theory that a lot of people that say that good politicians are storytellers, right? Yeah. And and I was thinking, can you imagine getting a story from Keir Starmer? I'm not sure it would really... No, absolutely. I'm not having uh, that, yeah. I mean, it might send you off to sleep. It might be nice for the kids late at night. Uh, uh, I don't know. It's, it's the voice that, um, <laughs> yes, oh, the I, caterpillar. It, <laughs> I just, I, I mean, Boris Johnson, whatever you think of him... Uh, and I don't like him, as you know, but he's a he's a he is a half decent storyteller. I mean, they're whoppers, yeah. but he's a storyteller. Right. And that yes. seems to be what what people work. Well, that's what uh, engages people. So well, is it no, I'm, they say campaign in po- uh, poetry, poetry governing governing prose. Yes, they do. And, well, and, so Boris sort of campaigned in poetry and then governed in Hollywood blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and Keir Starmer would campaign in prose and govern in prose, and it's just, but he won't get a chance, will he? No, Keir because... Starmer would govern in the sort of small print of uh, of uh, a loan deal for terms a, and a conditions. car salesman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of what you've been up to, I mean, obviously you had the BT Sport gig during uh, the lockdowns, which you were kind enough to have me on. I mean, talk me through like that first series of, of trying to get that together uh, on a wing and a prayer. We we were doing the show. We're all doing it in our houses, but um, we were operating with something like a five second delay at one point. Uh, well, I mean, the way it came about was pretty funny. We did we did a show four five years ago called The Footballs on uh, on BT Sport, and then we were in a studio, and it was all very exciting. And so then sort of they, comedians are kind of fantasy football, sort of soccer AME type feel to it. Yeah, discussion. Yeah. The only rule, really, which we really are quite strict on enforcing is no punditry because we don't know anything. Yeah, We're not yeah. talking about four two three ones as opposed to four four twos, right? Because we've yeah. lost. Um, and we got uh, and they cancelled us uh, a few years ago. And then I didn't hear from my producer for a while. And then two weeks after lockdown started, I got a phone call from him saying, I've just spoken to BT Sport. Do you want to do a show called The Football's Not On? <laughs> <laughs> and they went, yes, we do. Because nobody was watching uh, sports channels at the time because there was no sport yeah, so we no new um, content right yeah no no new content so we uh, uh myself and a couple of other comics sat down and um started talking about football i mean it was more it was obviously nostalgia for the first yeah. few weeks because there was nothing on and then the football started again and um we're still doing it in our houses we are was it, was it called it. was it then called the football sort of on the fo- and then the football's <laughs> really is on now 
I'm interested in you're back gigging, obviously. Now. I mean, people have been saying that for a while. You've probably been gigging for a while. Um, the you know, there's a lot of talk about cancel culture uh, in our industry. And I think that there are very few people in truth, that, especially famous people that have lost their careers over things that they've said. But what are, are, do you sort of have to self-censor yourself? Do you think harder about what you're going to say? Have you had more pushbacks from audiences? And I think this doesn't just apply to now. I think this probably goes back sort of three or four years. Are you more cautious in what you say now? Uh, no, is the short answer to that. Not at all. I say what I feel and and I haven't had pushback from an audience. And, and I'm sort of, on some level, I actually think, is this because I'm just not saying anything that matters that much or that controversial <laughs> or something? Yeah, I haven't I... upset anybody for ages. It's, it's, it's a concern. <laughs> yeah, well, this is what I mean. And I see other people posting, some of whom we know very well, some of whom you've had supporting you on tour. And mm. they're posting about how things that are um, that, that they're not allowed to say anymore. And I thought, I, I, I've I, never found that. I say what I think. I mean, I, I, have, I have a visceral really uh um not hatred is the wrong word but um dislike of anti-vaxxers and and people serving notices to people poor medical staff saying the pope owns all the businesses or all that sort of nonsense yeah. right and i really don't like those people at all and i will slag them off in in my shows but not i don't i don't identify them in in the audience because i don't want it i don't want to be divisive in that way yeah. i just want to say listen i think you're idiots and I will say that you're idiots in a number of funny ways. I suppose, and, you know, the thing about the numbers game of that is that's probably going to be a relatively small percentage of the country. So unlike Brexit or left and right or stuff like that, you're not dealing with those huge binary um, no, divides. That's true. But even with Brexit, I mean, I thought Brexit was a bad idea and I said it. Um, and, and, and after it happened, I talked about what a bad idea it was. And but I again... I didn't want to, I didn't, I didn't go on stage going, who voted for Brexit, who voted against Brexit? Because I think that's just sets the whole room up against mm. each other. And I'm not into doing that. I would just, I just feel like I'm stating my opinion. But again, um, I've got jokes as well. And I tend to feel that, like, <laughs> no, mean, no, no, but I'm not joking. No, you really it. do. And I think it's such a, we, we always forget about that in comedy. You, you, you have great jokes. People and forget you... about that in comedy. It's comedy. I'm not trying to change anyone's mind. No. I'm never, I am trying to get a laugh. And if I have a, if I, if I manage to craft a joke that actually makes people go, hmm, after mm. they've laughed, that's fine by me. Yeah. But the first the first reaction has got to be a laugh, even if they they they, they then think you bastard, you've you've got me. There. Oh, a, re a reluctant laugh has got to be one of the best sort of tricky par five <laughs> kind of. I love a reluctant <laughs> laugh because it means that they it means they hate themselves a bit and 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 but they sort of blame you, but they know it's on them. I I think <laughs> exactly. you're I think you're right about live stand up. I do think I think sometimes for younger audiences, I have to sort of predicate if you do top secret or a gig like that I have to sort of say yes. oh by the way kids I'm going to say something a bit dodgy now that's about the extent of it I think that I, I definitely having you know done some panel shows recently and writing for other shows the, the amount of censoring that is going on implicitly yeah. I mean yeah. and anything that goes into the public domain I mean there are certain shows. Well, here, here's an example. So the trans issue, which is obviously, and we're not going to get into the reads of that in itself, but every time it comes up, so, you know, you'll be working on a topical show and there'll be a big story that is worth talking about. 
but invariably producers just say um probably steer clear of that even though yeah. even if it is the absolute standout story yeah. of the week because they're worried and there are other stories like that i mean i had I think the I reason think right. radio for the radio four special ad that went out last week that's still available i mean there were things that we had to take out of that because of the murder of david amos some of which i understood but some were so unbelievably risk averse and you lose good bits of comedy because you're essentially trying to second guess what will upset people I think I think that's true. I, I mean, I don't do. I mean, the, the, when I do the show on BT Sport, we we have uh, they have to it has to go through compliance, and mm. and you wouldn't believe some of the jokes that we've had to take out. I mean, I mean, we recently because I was saying about Newcastle being bought by the Saudis, and uh, I think someone said on the commentary, uh, Steve Bruce will leave Newcastle with his head held high, and I said possibly by someone else, right? And uh, <laughs> It's a really, really good joke, right? It's a good joke. And but they there is no way, there is no way that they would have that on BT Sport. And I yeah. understand it's it's one could say it's in slightly poor taste, but I'm you know, I am happy. And it might be arguably games. outside the well, I mean it's outside the tone of sport, but is it outside the tone of the show? I would say I think it's a shame because that is the the best joke that I've heard about the Saudi takeover of Newcastle. So like of all the jokes and all social media, that is the best joke I've heard. And it doesn't get to get said because of a fear. I mean, we saw yeah. the, the, yeah. the banner the banner that was held up at the game the other week that was sort of a, a, alluding to human rights abuses that the Saudi regime had been involved in. Eventually, the police didn't take any action. But the fact that people felt they could report that to the police for stating some, some matters of fact, it was very specifically about one person. It wasn't saying about people in the Middle East or all Saudi Arabians. It, it, you know, that's the kind of environment we're operating in. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think if we're talking about whatever cancel culture might be, I, I think that's that's the level it operates at, really, mm. that that uh, that there is a certain fear. Um, I try not to go into stand-up gigs with that fear. If you're doing stuff on, on the BBC or, 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 like you say, even on BT Sport, you do have to be a bit creative i guess yeah. with but but i don't feel like it stopped me in the main saying things that i would like to say as much as i like that joke about about uh holding his head held high it's only a joke i'll come up with another please tell one. me that you're doing it at gigs uh do you know i haven't done it at gigs actually it is a, i think it's, it's good yeah, enough and as you know you write great football jokes it is hard to find ones that work at, at any gig a stand-up gig but I, th I think that one I think that one will do the business and you know like it does mean that live comedy I, I think is a more precious art form than it's ever been for the reasons that you say in a way oh, is that oh. as long as you approach a subject in the right way it is now moved so far away as a terms of, of a, a, a version of expression from television that it's uh, it's precious yeah I mean it certainly feels that way and I and I, I go into every gig feeling like all right let's have some fun here and see what we can say about stuff that's going on on that subject by the way i mean it's all very i mean people are expressing outrage at, at uh, saudi arabia uh, uh owning newcastle united but you know we're all going to watch the world cup in qatar in 2022 and the, and the next world cup in north korea or wherever it's happening uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, i wouldn't be totally surprised if i think it's actually happens. on on exegol the spiritual home of the sith 
is where the... <laughs> Do you know the, what? I'm laughing. I don't know what that means. This the, is a Star Wars It's a Star reference. Wars reference. Star Wars and cricket, mate. It's what I do. Uh, well, okay. let's see Let's see what things we can... I mean, also, podcasts are an important form of expression now. So we will oh, be yes. talking about... Uh, we'll be talking about the budget, which is happening. It's happening later today, but let's be honest. We know all the main details, so I think that we can talk about that. We talk about the sewage thing, just in case people think I don't do balance, this issue of us pumping shit and sanitary products into the ocean. Uh, and then we talk about COP20 if we've got time uh just new patrons welcome into the show as ever um can yeah, i just sure. say something at this point mm. isn't that indicative of the environmental issue that we'll talk about it if we've got time essentially you're saying <laughs> we'll talk about the end of the world if yeah. we've got time but you know obviously uh, the main thing is the budget and sewage <laughs> can i be honest it is a bit boring isn't it, it one of the main problems with environmental is. issues I, I'm, I'm i'm an entertainer i look at those three <laughs> and if one of them's gonna go it will be the destruction of our planet <laughs> i totally agree i know what you're saying but we will maybe talk about it later on uh, new patrons, uh, we've got Jules Langdon, who is definitely, I mean, I know I'm going on the Jules Verne thing here, but definitely sounds like some sort of sci-fi writer, but a modern sort of high concept, you know, maybe he does a bit of writing for Black Mirror. Uh, this Matt, is such a stretch, really. <laughs> it's just, is he called Jules, Jules Langdon? The new, That's you, it, it's purely because he's called Jules Oh, no, Langdon. all of the stuff I'm going to say is just based on the names. This is this is nominative insults. Um, so Jules Langdon, we've got Matt Harker, what do you yeah. think Matt Harker sounds like? He sounds like <laughs> he sounds like the boy in the year above that was really popular, and then <laughs> yeah, and then he you bullied bullied me. He bullied Ian Stone. <laughs> he Matt did, Harker. and then he came up, and then he came to came to a gig thirty years later. He goes, "Hi, I'm Matt." Right? I think he worked in investment banking. I don't yeah. know. I'm Matthew. I'm Matthew. And, calls himself and one of those lads that didn't take any of his school year charisma with him into adulthood. <laughs> he you know was the best lads? looking bloke in year 11 and yeah. he and he actually got shorter and fatter as time went on <laughs> <laughs> sorry Matt I don't know I'm just assuming you might be You've got cool. Alex uh, Alex Sullivan here sounds like a 60s playwright uh, Alex Sullivan there eventually eventually got he's, he's the kind of guy that would get in trouble just appearing on a BBC arts show now and just yeah. just just say something offhand about transes he'll call them transes <laughs> <laughs> bit of a booze problem you yeah, find yeah. him often sitting in a squash club at 10 in the morning on his <laughs> third whiskey <laughs> yeah drinking nothing like squash um roy burdett roy burdett is a brilliant name roy boy burdett for me you can only be a sort of dci in the late 70s dci I, roy, roy burdett I, I like that i would have said 70s footballer actually roy burdett on the wing but you know what i like dci in the 70s as well yeah. Roy Burdett, if he was a footballer, he'd be the kind that was mainly in it to be able to afford a pub when he retired. <laughs> <laughs> do they still do that? Uh, well, not so much now because they're billionaires. <laughs> so they don't really need to quite as much as they used to. They, might they own, own a chain of pubs now. A string of properties. Robbie Fowler owns half of Liverpool, doesn't he, or something? He's yeah, got, now he's, Roy he's a Burdett. landlord. It'll be, be the Burdett group. Um <laughs> But back then, it was just like the shit and bastard in Weymouth. Um, the cuss count for last week, we had uh, the last week's episode, we had Christopher Snowden on from the IEA and we, IEA, and we had a good old chat about all, all things COVID. Wow. And people seem to find it uh, informative. No, he's not what you think because he's from the IEA. He's very sober COVID centrist. No, no, no. I was, I was actually thinking uh, what a sort of gear change to have me on after him. 
Well, I mean, I like thinking. gear. Ch- well, I mean, if one thing, ninety percent of people enjoyed it. A lot of people were like, where are the fucking jokes, Norcott? So, it, it, for a lot of people, <laughs> this will be a really welcome gear change. I'm, I'm here for you, mate. No, it's already working out beautifully. Um, so the cuss count was point three uh, uh, a minute, um, which you'd expect from a guest episode. A, a cuss Just that- count. The cuss count. So, yeah, I don't know if you, we had this last time that you were on. Do you want to know your place uh, on the leaderboard? So, we, yeah. you know, like um, Star in a reasonably priced car on Top Gear? Yes. We keep a running um, a running count. Oh, my God. You only had one swear when you were on. That's rubbish. <laughs> blimey. I mean, is that... I'm sorry. Well, you just I, said I, I blimey. Realize. You just said I blimey. Did. That's the problem. <laughs> well, blow me down. <laughs> Golly. I, I, I okay. I didn't realise. Am I meant to swear more? I, I mean, I'm actually trying to not swear as much as I. Well, used do you know to. what I mean? So there's two ways of approaching this leaderboard. Is one is that you either want to win at the top or you want to win at the bottom. So it's you, uh, Stephen Grant, and Paul Embry are all on joint bottom or top, depending on how you look at it. So you could you could look to continue that. There'll be trophies at either end, I think. Well, you don't want to be as mid-table, I think. No, no. Well, that was that was the problem I had when I was at school. I was one of those 80% of kids that wasn't particularly bright, but also wasn't badly behaved enough. So I'd just get ignored most of the time. Oh, mate, I was you know, just thinking, top... as a former teacher, that is oh, brilliant. That's my perfect kid. I'll just speak of over course. your head. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that's why I only got three O-levels. <laughs> because uh, I was, by the way, anyone under 50, O-levels are now GCSEs, okay? You probably know that anyway. But yeah, I got completely ignored most of the time. because 113 I, I just... episodes, the first mention of O-levels, it must be said. Is that right? It yeah. is, it is. I might be one of your older guests, but that's, <laughs> that's what happened. I actually got a, I got a CSE grade one in sociology when I was in the sixth form as well. Imagine how yeah. much work I put into that. <laughs> actually, none at all. It was the only exam I've ever been in where I'd done absolutely no work and I still passed. It's amazing. <laughs> and, yeah, and the fact that you fit that in around your work as a chimney sweep, I think is, is hugely... <laughs> uh... <laughs> Before we get to the main subjects, quick thank you and a fuck you. So as a co-host, you'll be carrying these. Yeah, um, well, my thank you. Well, it basically what I'm grateful for, and this is the thing I was going to talk about, uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I'm grateful that I'm not Ole Gunnar Solskjaer after what yep. happened at the weekend <laughs> when Manchester United got absolutely humiliated at home. And I know this is mainly a politics show, and I think it is analogous to Labour in 2019. They just mm. got stuffed. At home, didn't they? In the red wall <laughs> seats, as it were, and and I and I sort of feel like it was similar. And I I watched him at the end, and it must be hard for those for those uh, fans because he is obviously a hero. There's he scored the winning goal for them in the Champions League final in 1999, and they had to boo him because it was just embarrassing. I mean, it was tremendously entertaining for the rest mm. of us. But even with all his money, and obviously he's got plenty of money in a nice house. I'm really glad I'm not him this week. Okay. I'm genuinely. I, I thought, you know, as a, a person that doesn't keep up with top flight football, that was interesting. That was objectively uh, hilarious. Uh, oh. What about the fuck you? Uh, uh, well, uh, the bloke who sold me my concrete plant. I mean, I just think, I mean, I'm trying to grow it, right? I'm yeah. really trying to get it, but nothing's coming out. I think he's sold me a wrong one there, to be honest with you. Your concrete plant. So this is the <laughs> talk uh, radio presenter, Mike Graham. Mike who Graham. Is in- who's in an altercation. If you haven't seen the clip, it is really funny. He's sharing it himself. So it has been by, seen by 7 million people. So 8.7. 8.7. I mean, I just one of the most morning. viewed clips ever on Twitter now, if not <laughs> well, the it's, most. It's the guy's face when he said, concrete doesn't grow on trees. And he said, 
Yes, it does, or something akin to that. You can, yeah. Then, yeah, um, yeah so, you can. I mean, normally, you know, my sympathies in that, you know, I've been with Insulate Britain and, and their actions. I would normally think going into an interview like that, right, the Insulate Britain person is going to really annoy me. Uh, yeah. Mike Graham is very, you know, he's one of those kind of radio presenters that he approaches things in quite a combative way. But what happens, I think, at the beginning of the interview is the guy says, oh, the only thing I'm glued to is your screen, unfortunately. So this is Mike Graham. And you can see Mike Graham bridling and sort of thinking, right, what are the usual lines of attack on one of these guys? So he asks him, are you in work? Expecting him not to be. And it turns out the guy's got quite a successful business and and, and a sustainable business. Carpenter as well. Carpenter. I mean, it's a He's got a trade, you know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's kind of like this is really awkward territory for talk radio to mock someone with a trade so he then kind of uh sort of says oh, 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 you're, you're killing the you're killing the trees um which is a new one he, i mean i don't killing, even... killing is the wrong word as well isn't it really i i, 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 mean, not... I, I don't know if he exactly maybe he didn't say exactly killing but he certainly implied that there was an no. and that was an act of harm he and did say I, killing he did, he did say killing. he did okay. say killing yeah and i think that um i don't think even the most kind of well i mean you've got most environmentalists don't I mean, they eat vegetables, right? You know what I mean? I don't think that they they sort of think trees have souls. I mean, some of them do, the ones that are still on taking LSD and, you know, certain <laughs> dosages of ketamine. And then he just found himself in a real difficult position and, and sort of, it's, it's well worth a watch. Okay, we're going to get into the first big subject this week, and that is the budget. First up, coming up to this budget, what is this, Rishi's, I don't know, well, we've had a pandemic and an emergency, it's probably his 17th budget. Um, uh, first up, there's leaks. I mean, Lindsay Hoyle, the Speaker of the House of Commons, has been saying for a while, you got to run it by, oh, by me. I mean, he's he, he's so he feels so overlooked that he's, he, he's one step from saying, what am I, a chop liver? I mean, he's yeah. really frustrated that the government are just, just not running things by, by the House. But I think... I mean, like as a big budget day fan, Stoney, this these leaks ruin the magic for me. It's it's gone. The magic of budget day is gone. Where are the <laughs> surprises? Thought... <laughs> do you would you I mean, do we really want surprises with with the budget? I mean yeah. do you you want Do you remember the ones some... where they say they've they've reduced the duty on spirits? That was all that was always great when Ken Clark did that. It was always funny. <laughs> you knew he was a bit of an alky himself. You thought it was a personal thing, didn't you, really? I mean, I should really say at this was. point, I am, the, I, I feel like I'm the least qualified person to talk about this stuff. I mean, I've got, I mean, I've got opinions, but I I don't know what he should do, Rishi Sunak. I mean, he's he's got, he's got, you know, probably got an economics degree, hasn't he? <laughs> Well, I'm but, a stand-up comedian, is the point I'm making, really. Well, I mean, there are the, the big headline things that he said that I understand are he's got 5.9 billion extra for the NHS on top of the other extras and all the other extras. I mean, I mean, let's just say that if the Tories are trying to destroy the NHS, they're they're really not seizing seizing the moment here because they keep giving it extra money. I'm not sure uh, how giving the NHS extra money is gonna kind of be the death knell. Is there is there extra money though? I mean, I thought there was a whole thing. The NHS is one thing. There was six point nine billion pounds for transport in the regions, and I love the way yeah. they say the regions, like yeah, oh, yeah. you know, the other places aside from you know Westminster and Kensington and Chelsea. Um, 
But out of that money, only 1.2 billion is new money. And the yeah. rest of it is, I mean, you've got kids. That doesn't work with pocket money, does it? It's like, I'm giving you five quid. Yes, there's only 85p there but you're going to have to find the rest of that from the extra pocket money I gave you in the last couple of oh, years. I don't know. As a parent, I certainly remember my parents. They constantly reminded me about all the stuff they'd done in the past. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that it, it actually is a parental thing, the guilt trip right. for previous month. I spent, how much did we spend on that holiday? You'd have, yeah, but that was last year. You know, yeah, yeah, you do have to do what I'm asking you to do. I've got the receipts, is essentially what, what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, right? so Labour were, so with the other headline things were 5.9 billion for the NHS. I mean, the problem is with the NHS is we don't know how much all the stuff costs. So you kind of think, well, we've got this backlog, which has partly been exacerbated by uh, the lockdown. So what we really want to do is get people treated, right? We want to get people treated for acute conditions that have become chronic um, and also we've got these, you know, other respiratory viruses in. So we want to get people treated. But then they say, oh, it's about software. So a lot of it's going to go on software. I am... well, that guy always goes well, doesn't it? I, yeah. Yeah, well, really... <laughs> Test and trace has been such a triumph, hasn't it? Let's be fair on the 30 billion quid we spent on that. Well, so... just in, in the government's defence here, I'm, I'm moving back to being a government really? shield now. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> most of that was for testing. But the problem is people think of it as the trace thing. So... The huge, because we're one of the biggest testing nations in Europe, the vast majority of that 38 billion was on testing. But what people think about is this failed enterprise of people sitting in their houses, ringing people going, you got COVID? Yeah. <laughs> you stayed at home? Yeah. All right then. See you later. That's what they think test and trace is. Well, it is partly that, isn't it? And it hasn't really worked, has it? I mean, I know we, we are testing a lot more than everybody else, which, by the way, I, I am, when I see those figures, there's 50,000 new cases in the UK and 1,000 in Germany. Isn't it terrible? Do you think, yeah, but we might be doing 50 times more tests? Might be exactly the same numbers in Germany. Well, we are. I, I mean, I suppose what we upsetting. do have. Well, what we do have is more is more COVID deaths. But I think, I mean, we're sort of on the COVID thing here a bit. But I think that we are outliers in a way because our our vaccine rollout was ahead of a lot of European nations. So we're sort of like we're experimenting with trying to be open. You know, those countries yeah. at some point. You've got to kind of incorporate this thing into your daily living, you know. And the, well, the, the, as a stand-up comedian, I'm I'm incredibly glad that we are having this experiment. But as I say when I go on stage quite regularly, uh, okay, let's see how good this vaccine is then in a packed room and because you're faced by 200 people in a low ceiling room who are all hopefully laughing right at you yeah and so far i've got away with it so far plus I mean, we went clubs. to the ministry of sound as well and uh and we managed to get away with that as well didn't catch anything after that Yes, we did. We went out clubbing despite our advanced years. I mean, what, what I did catch after that was chronic fatigue, but I think that that was more, <laughs> and I'm not sure yeah. that that was fully related to COVID-19. <laughs> no, but going back to the point uh, you were making, um, yeah, there there does seem to be more money. It, it sort of depends, doesn't it, on... on um, because uh, it's the cost of borrowing, as I understand. That's yeah. that's where the it, it, if the cost of borrowing goes down, we he has a bit more wriggle room, and that's mm. that's really what every budget is all about. How much wriggle room he's got, right? Well, and the economy has performed very very well this year. You know, the fastest growing in the uh, in the G seven. Yeah, it's not bad, Britain. is it? It's hashtag, well, <laughs> hashtag despite Brexit. Um, <laughs> 
you know, how much some... better would we do? Would we be doing if we hadn't have left the European Union? Doesn't We'd matter. Be like Singapore Plus, wouldn't we, or something? Doesn't matter. But I think for a lot of the public, into what I'm, I guess what I'm thinking about is perception. Where will the next set of polls be? And a lot of the public will go money for the NHS, minimum wage gone up, and and spending. And this is this is one of the big problems with Labour budget. It's a Labour budget. It really it? is. And and they and you can sort of tell that they're wrong-footed because Jonathan Ashworth, they put to him um, the 5.9 billion for the NHS. And he was so wrong-footed by it that he had to resort to the opposition cliche playbook, playbook where he said, uh, he said, Well, we're gonna we're gonna have to read the the terms and conditions of this. We're gonna have to read the small yes. print, which is basically fuck. <laughs> That's well, quite no, a lot of well, money. He, he was, yeah, but there isn't Rishi Sunak waiting and seeing because he sort of put it on the different departments, isn't he? And said, "How much spare have you got? That's how much we can we can raise the public sector pay by, right?" Mm. So it's it's a bit of a wait and see budget. Of course, yeah, I, I they've think. ended the public sector pay freeze as well. Again, it's it is kind of smart the way that they've done it because that is the headline issues. People are like, well, that's come to an end. That's a good thing. By the time we get down to the the absolute nuts and bolts of what those pay increases are. The big headline issue has already embedded itself uh, in people's heads, and I think it's I think it's really tricky for Labour at the moment because if you are someone who is a bit socially conservative or a bit of a traditionalist, maybe a red wall seat where you're you know proud monarchists and you know uh, proud of the armed forces, but like left wing economics, it's really hard to look past the conservatives at the moment because there is this fear about Labour and who really runs them and you know the the impact of. Uh, uh, activists like Momentum and the unions. It's really, I mean, if you take out like, you know, the, like the influence on government of people like Pretty Patel, who are genuinely right wing on Im- immigration, economically, as you say, it feels like a Labour budget. Yeah, I, well, it does seem to me like Boris Johnson is going for a sort of right wing, centre right wing version of Tony Blair yeah, in a lot of ways. And, and if he does that, and if he does it well, my God, we're going to have a Conservative government for the next 20 years and uh, as you can imagine for people who voted Labour all their life like me that is uh, quite the um, disturbing to be honest with you but mm. if there's more money for the NHS and uh, um, uh, I don't know more and, and like you say an end to the public sector pay freeze those are essentially good things yeah it's it's really tricky you, you just don't you just don't want them doing it is the main thing <laughs> essentially it's like a what was that thing about a person I despise has made a very good point? You know, leveling up, um, you know, a lot of people take the piss out of it as this abstract concept. It, it, it's, it's always, I think there's a minister for leveling up now. And I always think there's two ministers for leveling up. There are two. To, they're trying to level up each other. They're trying to keep. Well, what, essentially, they are. Um, uh, it, it's essentially, I think the, the, the signal is it's so important. We need an extra minister for leveling yeah. up. So it's uh, uh, Kemi Badnock, I think, is one. I can't remember the other guy. Who it is, Please tell me the other person is a dyed-in-the-wall northerner. Otherwise, that project really loses a bit of a... <laughs> I mean, I don't know where Kemi, Badenoch, Kemi Badenoch's constituency is. I think it was London. I might be wrong, but... I can't. I could look it up, but I, I'm not that bothered. But it's two ministers for levelling up. It is important. Although, isn't the whole... Isn't the whole thing we're levelling up? Cancelling HS2 from Birmingham to Leeds doesn't help levelling up, essentially. They, they're saying Is that, that what they've done? That, well, no, I'm not sure it's completely cancelled, but it looks like 
they've they've realised they've spent so much money and they've dug up so much of the of uh, of the countryside between London and Birmingham. They've gone oh, well, fuck it, we have to, you know. Whereas the rest of it, they haven't gone much further. So maybe they'll just stop at Birmingham. Well, I saw I saw a report in the Mirror and it was hilarious. Mirror, the Mirror, who for a long time have been saying um, HS2 is too expensive and no one wants it, and then they threatened to cancel a bit of it. And they were essentially saying, why are they only cancelling this? Because it's too expensive and no one wants it. It seems to be. The- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I have mixed feelings about it because I do think a, a high-speed rail link would probably level up the country in the long term. But in yeah. the short term, if you live up north and you have to travel between Liverpool and Manchester and Leeds, the trains are shit. Yes, They're go across. Shit. Go yeah. level up across. I mean, I've said, I've said this on Question Time once. We're good with up and down, but not from side to side. Yeah. Go Go across east to west. There's so many, like, where, where I live, you know, there's this sort of thread that goes through kind of Cambridge, uh, Bedford, Milton Keynes, Oxford. They're all these big cities in a line. And, and yeah, it only seems to be that you matter if you're heading up, the, well, not up the country, uh, heading, heading up north. I mean, I think when it comes to levelling up, you know, it might be seen as, as as kind of meaningless in a way, and there are some legitimate criticisms. The other thing is, is like, even though they might be cosmetic, these are things that Labour could have done. You know, when you talk about moving the Treasury up to York and, you know, just moving various institutions of government around the country. I mean, this could have been done before. I think the reason that, that Labour politicians sort of pour so much scorn on it is because they're sort of annoyed that they didn't do more of it. Well, for, I mean, I mean, you know, a uh, a person of colour who's Home Secretary, a person of colour who's, who's Health Secretary, mm. two female Prime Ministers. I mean, these are all things that the Labour Party should have done. I am a little bit disillusioned, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'll, yeah. I'll vote for them just out of some tribal loyalty. But the truth is, all those, it, the Conservatives keep stealing Labour's thunder when it comes to, you know, like you mm. say, this budget now, more money for the NHS, more, I mean, it, it so could be a Labour budget, and the fact that it's a Conservative budget should really worry Labour strategists and politicians. Um, if they weren't busy fighting with each other, they probably would be worried, wouldn't they? Really? So this is quite depressing. No, no, that was a great end to the section. That was exactly what I wanted to say: was that you were disillusioned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit. Yeah. We're going to talk about the sewage now, because maybe we've given the toys a bit too much credit or praise. Let's talk about the sewage. So this is the. The th- uh, what happened this week was that there was a bill going through about the responsibilities of water companies and there was an amendment table which was to stop the uh, depositing of raw sewage uh, into, I mean, it's, uh, into the sea. Now, there is such a thing, as you'll know, like of wrecking amendments, i.e. where the opposition tabled something that, that when the Tories voted down, in this case, was because they felt that the original bill had enough provisions to stop this happening. Um, so then they can then take that to the press and get coverage, which has worked yeah. very well. But the fact that, that the Tories have now seemed to be doing a mild U-turn, it's, what was it a J-turn if you just do half a U-turn? Just trying to think how that looks. Half a U-turn, you're, it's, a, it's a left or right turn, isn't it, essentially? <laughs> That's true, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're doing 1.5-point turn, I think. Um, it did feel, I mean, one, it was it was a result for the left in a week where they've got to reckon with these high-spending pledges i do wonder what the the general public will give more of a shit about will they give a shit about shit or will they give a shit about the extra money more oh do you think well, this story's got cut through is what i guess is what i'm saying it has it has cut through hasn't it i mean it essentially they wanted to allow the water companies to keep pumping shit into our rivers and seas uh, I mean, it, that is quite a, a reductive view of what they wanted, but essentially that's it. And then it went to the Lords who said, no, 
you can't do that. And then it's gone back to the commons who've gone, can we, well, can we just do it, but a bit slower? I was, yeah, <laughs> so you're right, actually. Sorry, the amendment came from the Lords. That's a very, that's, a, that's an important point. So yes. maybe it wasn't a performative wrecking amendment. I mean, when you saw, there was one video in particular that just showed the end, end point of a sewage pipe. I mean... 49 hours of shit going <laughs> into the sea. I mean, listen, for, I don't like... I don't like the sound of a U-turn on sewage, right? I just—I <laughs> mean, where's it going? I mean, if it's not going out, it's coming in, right? I mean, <laughs> and that I think fundamentally, I find it upsetting. But of course, it doesn't look good to have this massive sewage pipe and this yeah, yeah. brown—it's shit. It's yes. human waste going into. I mean, we're an island nation. One of yeah. the big things we've got is our waterways and all the rest of it. And I'm hearing a lot about chalk. Chalk, uh, is it? I can't remember what chalkways or or something like that, which we're ruining, and and we're pumping all this shit into rivers and and seas. It's not a good look, is it? Really? No. It no. If we saw that, if they said to us, "Oh, this is happening in what you perceive to be a third world country," and we would shake our heads and go, "Oh, just it's so awful." And we'd sort of enjoy do that weird privileged thing of enjoying how awful we found it. Um, <laughs> but it turns out it's happening yeah. in Bournemouth. We're doing, and and yeah, we're doing it, and that's a nice beach as well. So I, 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 I mean, this is the, I guess. Because there are certain beaches. I think with like pebble beaches, I don't think it's a problem so much there because nobody wants to swim in the sea in those places. Oh, yeah, yeah. Western Superman. I mean, God, the sea doesn't start until it's four four miles out, does it? (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those, like Yarmouth is another one. Well, to what I think about this, I don't think dealing with sewage should be a competitive thing. Mm. I think... You know, there's there, there is talk, and I heard someone from the House of Lords yesterday saying that we should maybe nationalise the water companies because it doesn't feel right that people make loads and loads of profit, billions of pounds worth of profit um, through water companies while we're pumping shit into the sea. See, I mean, nationalise. So you you come on the show and you start spouting your communism. I knew <laughs> I, I knew it would happen, but <laughs> I mean, what, no, but we, we all have to pay for this, right? This is something we all have to get rid of our waste in in a a, a responsible way. And mm. uh, it seems to me, I'm not saying that water supply itself couldn't be uh, privately owned in some way, but I, I think actually dealing with shit. I think not even seeing that video, the amount of people that agree with you would probably be more that don't. And I think also one of the other things is is we don't really want to think about sewage. It's a really bad thing to even remind us that it exists because we just shit into a thing. We don't really ever, I don't ever think about where that goes or how they break no. it down. Even right now, I don't want to think about it. You're part of the problem. It's like your parents having sex, isn't it? When you were a kid and you suddenly think about how you got here. I'd really rather not. I mean, what, what do you do? Do you have a shit and say a little prayer? I, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we have to deal with it and we have to be grown up about dealing with it. And of course, what we can't do is basically say to the water companies, you have to spend billions of pounds right now on dealing with this right now. We must never pump anything into the seas again. But that should be the ultimate goal as quickly yeah. as we possibly can, right? And I think people... I'm sure even most of the Tory party feel the same way. I think they? they do after this week. Speaking of taking shit all around the country, my tour is on sale for uh, spring of 2022. Uh, we are there's a couple of ones that have got out of the blocks really nicely. Uh, Margate, uh, 
uh, Portsmouth, Wimbledon Theatre. There's a few that were late going on sale. So the Grange Theatre Northwich. Northwich is that weird. It's a bit north of Stoke, isn't it? Not I was quite, there the other week. It's not nice, quite, Northwich. Not quite crew. Not quite. I mean, it's a bit fancy. It's got some shisha bars. It reckons itself a little bit. Yeah. Um, Carlisle, the furthest I'm going north and the lowest amount of tickets sold at this point. So thank you, Carlisle, for that absolute fuck you to me. If you if you don't buy tickets, I'm never coming back. Speaking to... <laughs> it doesn't speak, sound like they're that bothered. No, honest. not at this point. I, I, what I do is I try to neg them, treat them mean. You know? um, weirdly, uh, despite the fact that we, we we were slow going in the last leg of the tour in North, Northampton, we've upgraded to a bigger room in Northampton for this leg. Right. So what, what have you got against me, Northampton? Just buy the fucking tickets. Um, Taunton is a place I'm going to for the first time. Plymouth, I went there a couple of tours ago, really enjoyed that. Uh, Huddersfield, the Lawrence Batley Theatre. Oh, I like the Lawrence Batley. That's a nice place. And I, I like Huddersfield as well, you know, to be honest cool, with you. Cool town. I mean, I, I like the way we talk about it, like we're surprised the Southerners whenever we like somewhere in the North. It's actually well, all right, yeah. No, it is. No, but I also, I stayed in the Huddersfield Hotel, right, which is yeah. that they never failed to tell you where where the, the cast of Last of the Summer Wine stay when they um, <laughs> when they were filming, you know, a hundred years ago, whatever it was yeah. on. And... Um, there was a there was a three things to do in Huddersfield, uh, in like the little book you get at a hotel. And third on the list was the twenty four hour petrol station and shop. <laughs> <laughs> so we went and visited it. I mean, it was all right. You know, went about one in the morning. It wasn't much going on. I could make I could be fourth on that list. Um, we're in Scotland, at Aberdeen and Melrose, and I totally know exactly Where's in Melrose? Scotland. Rose. Where I know exactly where in Scotland. If you give me a map, I will point that fucking Melrose out <laughs> to you. So uh, if I've done the research, you could at least come to the show. We're at Mainstone, the Hazlitt Theatre, and we're at Swindon uh, Arts Centre. Okay, look, I feel that um, you wanted to talk about the environment. No. I, I'll take it or leave it, to be honest, but I feel like, you know, you're more progressive than me. You'll be upset if we don't. So... <laughs> I'll just start out with, do we even need to go net zero? Now, hear me out. I'm not going full like Alex Jones, climate denying. I just think that net zero is catchy, isn't it, as an idea? But I've never looked into the fact of whether we need it to be absolute net zero. Do Or, I, or, or do we just need, so it's like five a day. Maybe it's like five a day. If you If you aim for five a day, you might have an apple and a handful of blueberries, right? If you say net zero we might just add another 100 years to the planet's life. Right. I mean, I get the point you're making. I think if you have an apple and a, and a couple of blueberries, you might you might maybe be a bit heavier in your later life, and that would be the, the, the net effect of that. Whereas if yeah. we don't deal with the climate, if we don't get to net zero... I mean, I saw David Attenborough on... on um, I don't know, on the news somewhere. And he, and he sat there and very, it was all very reverential. And he said, if we don't deal with it now, it's too late, is what he said. And I've got to be honest with you. I know you think I'm some like Greta Thunberg, a sort of Jewish version of Greta Thunberg, whatever <laughs> that is. But I'm not, I'm, I'm not that. And I, and I, there is a little bit of me that, that actually feels now it's the boy who cried wolf a little bit too much. It's a bit like mm. if we've got this, you know, this is the only chance we've got to save the NHS. I've heard that about 15 times. Yes. And we're still here. And so you wonder with the environmental lobby whether there's a little bit of that. I'm certainly feeling a little bit fatigued. And I'm getting the feeling that world leaders are as well, because half of them ain't coming, are they? I mean, well, yeah. Xi Jinping's not going. The Queen's I mean, but then, not going. But then the press will kind of, like the, the anti-conservative press will use that as a sign 
that it's failed or that the Tories have done something wrong. Even if like like dodgy world leaders like Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin said, well, they're not coming. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff they don't do. I don't think that necessarily means that we've set up a bad cop. I mean, I don't know about like all the cops. Uh, I hear that. I, I hear that it's a good cop, bad cop type thing going on here. <laughs> I mean, if a, if a headline hasn't used that, that is. Well, the Paris Accord, the Paris Accord was uh, arguably a good cop. Um, I just, I, the problem is right is at the moment that this has become this is becoming the new big issue because the media they had Brexit, they've got COVID, they need their next big thing that we talk about all the time, and the public are turning. Public opinion is turning. I just Which way to, do you think? Well, Which towards, way? you know, towards being concerned about this stuff. But, and of course, you know, get lectured every fucking week by David Attenborough. Eventually you start listening. <laughs> but just, he's always moaning. But the, how much extra? Well, that's Tip what it I'm, up a bit, Dave. Come on. <laughs> yeah, come on. Good news. Yeah, you, you flew about a bit making those shows, didn't you, mate? Um, <laughs> how much would you pay a year extra? That's the question that I think we should ask all of us, you know. How much? Yeah, how much? So if there is a cost of, that everybody could put in, like in every single individual on the planet who has means, and I, I mean every adult, right, every adult, what would you pay to get to net zero? Can we put a number on it? Because if we can't, That's... then we're always expecting somebody else to do it, aren't we? Uh, well, about, what about 100 quid then? Uh, we all bet. I mean, essentially, well, I'm saying, I, I, I do a little gig somewhere in the middle of nowhere, you know, and, and that, that the money from that gig goes to so you're uh, not even going to hand over your cash you're going to do something you enjoy and well and i'm working yeah I mean, no, it's like charity. no but it's, i've done charity it's, it's not quite the same it's not it's got to be <laughs> it's got to be your 100 out quid. of my out of my pocket out of my own pocket you got to go to a cash point <laughs> take 100 to, quid and give it to david attenborough i mean i've got to be honest that, it, well given what you said that is surprisingly modest sum i mean i I was going to go monkey. I would say 500, <laughs> but as a one-off, I'm not doing it every year. Right. Okay. But some of yeah. your tour, tour shows are selling quite well. So obviously <laughs> you'll feel a little bit more flushed. Well, look, I don't want to get into it, but when you look at the deductions, once the venue have had their bit, the promoter, <laughs> the Facebook, Facebook promo, where I essentially pay money for people to call me a prick for popping up in their timeline. But look, <laughs> this, this is not about me. It's about the planet. Uh, <laughs> well, this is the problem here now, isn't it? This is exactly the problem. Yeah. I mean, I think, Look, if everyone on the planet who had means paid a hundred quid, there's got to be a couple of billion people. That's you know, it's a couple of a uh, couple of hundred billion. That should be a good start, shouldn't it? Really? I mean, I don't think we 100, need to... hundred quid. But that that is the point. Is at some point all these plans have got to go to the public in in the form of extra expense. And I think that it's almost like you know when they say to the public, "Do you think we should have another full lockdown or people should wear face masks?" Sort of like eighty percent of people say yes to face masks, and then you see that less than fifty percent of people are wearing face masks, even though they're allowed to wear face masks, right? Yeah. So there is always this distinction between polling and what people would do given given the choice. But I, I think I know it sounds like a sort of a sort of glib question, but I think once you start at the point of asking the public, what would you pay, or what percentage of your disposable income do you think is fair? That is, I think that's an interesting question. What one one percent? Because one well, percent could be quite a high number. Also, what counts as disposable income as well? I mean, if you're saying to me, do I have to give up Netflix or Sky Telly yeah. in order to to pay for you know people yeah. in the Maldives to not have to get snorkeling equipment in the next <laughs> couple of years? <laughs> I mean, that's quite a you know quite a, a stark choice. I 
but yeah. that's those are the questions one has to ask and and i'm saying and you know you're saying maybe i'm a bit tight but at least i'm offering 100 pound i've got it i haven't got it in my pocket now I've, I, I will walk you and as well it'll be one of those cash points where you have to pay one pound 99 for just for the transaction as well i'm happy to but I, I don't mind yeah. that I, I don't mind that. It's like it's like when you go to a gentleman's club and you spend too much money. I not I don't know about this. I've never been to one of them. See, it's all coming uh, aside. It's all coming apart at the end, isn't it? This progressive <laughs> facade. What I don't like is the language, though. I mean, I mentioned this to you the other week. Writing in the Sun, Boris Johnson said, "I've I've got this here. The green shirts of the boiler police are not going to kick in your door with their sandal-clad feet and seize at carrot point your trusty old combi." And I. I just think, I think he's trying too hard. That's what yeah. I think. One, but and also don't like the idea of green shirts because that is essentially a black shirts reference. He's it saying is, they're yeah. climate Nazis. And I've yes. said this to you. I do believe that. Greta no, no. I, th- I thought the quote was. I thought the quote was bad. I think that also. I just think most most people won't even get the reference. No, like, that, that's the point. Is and I guess what he could have said was he said, "Look, we are changing things, but no one's gonna." Come and take away your boiler, uh, you know, full carrot point at carrot point. If somebody pointed a carrot at you, it wouldn't make any difference, would it? What are you doing pointing a carrot at me? At carrot, oh, carrot point. I thought that was some sort of Latin phrase. He actually means holding a carrot, holding out. a carrot. Yeah, that's this is how environmentalists arm a, themselves with vegetables. I mean, it's, it's just a sop, isn't it, to his kind of what he perceives to be his base. Is that even though, and the, I think the thing is, he is sort of left wing on some issues and I think he is a climate reformer but he's sort of embarrassed about it so when he's doing these things he says these jokes and, and you know he wants to he wants to basically have his cake and eat it where he takes the piss out of climate people he go well you're actually a prime minister that's doing more on climate arguably than any before so why don't you just you're the green shirt Boris yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm still slightly. Uh, you think a hundred quid is a bit tight. I feel like I've suddenly I've come up with a figure. You said what figure, and I've said yeah. hundred quid, and you've gone hundred quid. Is that all? Is that all? Do you thought, want the planet to die? I just thought that, given what you'd said, I thought you'd come in a hundred quid. Just seems really paltry. That's is it. All right. Well, it's a start, isn't it? It's a start. <laughs> it's a start. I bet you. But the thing is, maybe you you mean that as a. A hundred a year. I mean, five hundred. Just never, never talk to me about it again. Oh, I meant on a monthly basis. Yeah, well, of course, month. of course, of <laughs> Direct course. Direct debit straight out of the account. Every <laughs> we'll walk you up to that Tesco Metro and, and get the money out of the account once a month. Okay, we're just going to do. We've got time for one letter here, and this might relate to something that you were saying earlier. This is from Caden in East Ham. And he says, my mate has gone full anti-vax. He got furloughed and he lost himself in all of this business. I love it when people write colloquially. Yeah. Um, I didn't mind at first, but then he got made redundant and has gone off the deep end. The worst thing about it is that it's boring. Um, should I cut him out? I mean, we do all know people now within our yeah, family or our wider Facebook group. I mean, I am, as I said, you know, my position on vaccines is on balance. I thought it was the right thing for me. It didn't have to be an evangelical thing. I got both doses happily. I, I, I understand people that don't want to have the vaccine. I don't necessarily agree with them. I don't want it to be mandated for young children. I, I definitely don't want that. Maybe not even teenagers. But you have this thing where it then becomes being anti-vax becomes a lifestyle choice. And that's something else, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it is, really. It is. It's when you argue with them. 
and then they say to you, well, have you read that 416-page report by Peter Peterson, whatever his name is? And you go, no, I've got shit to do. I haven't. Mm. I didn't realise that this argument required revision. You know. Yeah. So I find, I find that, and and they are so sure of themselves. Whereas as I get older, I'm I realise I know nothing, mm. <laughs> pretty much, almost nothing. I'm not sure of anything. Except yeah. uh, part and Laconga in midfield seems to work for me for Arsenal, but even then I'm not so. But I'm saying <laughs> I, I, even that's an opinion. And, and that Tottenham, Tottenham are shit. And that Tottenham get battered everywhere they go, right? That's yeah. what I am sure of. But other than that, I don't know anything. So people arguing really, really vociferously that the vaccine is is dangerous, or Bill Gates, or any of the other shit they come out with, I I, I find that. I think it's the certainty that upsets me more than anything. Yeah, I think I think people. in comedy as well, I do think that if you're certain about anything, you're more likely to be the subject of a joke than the architect. Yeah. You know, certainty is I'm like, that was that was a neat little quote that wasn't it? I might, I might, Lovely. Might Lovely bosh that, that on, on Twitter. the poster. <laughs> I, I might pull them in in Carlisle and Taunton. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know, if you think about Caden's issue, he does seem to be he seems less worried about the arguments, but just that it's boring. I mean, one of the things about people that have gone off the deep end of these kind of discussions is that is that they can almost you know, remember that game seven degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon, where because of the amount of different things Kevin Bacon's been in, you can get there within seven turns. If someone has gone full anti-vax, any conversation, like when you see them, you almost set a stopwatch. For right, when they're going to bring it up, you know, how's a kid? Yeah, he's all right. Yeah, how old's your boy again? Oh, he's five and a half. Yeah, that's good because uh, you know, if he was twelve, uh, they're trying to inject him with stuff. You know, you go, okay. I mean, that yeah. only took two turns there. Well, it, I think it's it's the new. I mean, they used to say that all internet uh, um, comment sections ended with someone talking about Hitler, right? <laughs> and now, uh, you know, pretty quickly, even if you were having. Uh, who was it? Michael Fabry used to do a bit about having an argument about rich tea biscuits and it ended up with Hitler, right? Uh, yeah, on, yeah. Uh, on Twitter, uh, on um, on the internet. And I think now that the anti-vax thing is maybe the new one of that, that you'll get into that fairly quickly. I, I, I agree. And I think that I think it's absolutely fine to have, you know, concerns about a vaccine that was developed that quickly, you know. I think to be worried about the rollout for children. I would say, though, if you find yourself standing outside a school screaming stuff at a year eight for a loud hailer. I think you've probably gone off the deep end. I think, is that fair? I, I think it's perfectly fair. I think if you're handing over papers to poor medical staff and saying the Pope owns all the businesses, <laughs> I think you've gone off the deep I'm thinking, I mean, first of all, wasn't it always the Jews who owned all the businesses? I felt exactly. like they put out. I, I, and, and there's a halal place up the road from me, right? There was yeah. no way the Pope was involved in. I, I just find <laughs> it, I can't see that being the case. So I, I thought... And I'm amazed that that woman stood there. She had a mask on, so you couldn't see her whole face. But even the eyes were just looking at him like, you moron. And I thought she showed admirable self-control in not just punching him in the face. But then, you know, being medical staff, if she punched him in the face, she would then have to treat him. <laughs> to treat him as well. <laughs> She's just How making ironic work. is that? They just make him work for themselves. <laughs> just before we go, Stoney, Thanks so much for being on the show this week, Pleasure, mate. mate. Uh, can I direct people to stuff? Obviously, there's your 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 book, uh, which we discussed last time you were on, which is about the jam and growing up in the seventies and all that stuff. That's still available. The to be someone is still out there, and it's uh, available from all good stockists. Just go and uh, go and ask for it. And uh, I always like people to read that. And you can come and see me gigging. I mean, it's all on my website, Ian Stone Comedian, uh, and uh, just come and find me and say hello. 
Ian Stone is a comedian who can talk about politics and has jokes about it. It's uh, it's the way that we used to do things in this game. And it, it is a highly gratifying live experience. So I'd recommend going and seeing Ian wherever you can. And thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. Pleasure, mate.